0: Welcome to another episode of AM Infocast. Taking up where we left off the importance of training for additive manufacturing in our last episode, John Barnes and Chelsea Cummings from the Barnes Global Advisors join me, Aditya Chandavarkar, co-founder Indian 3D Printing Network, to share their experience working with the industry, the right training approach, and their plans for Asia-India and their partnerships with Additive Academy. The Barnes Global Advisors is globally the largest independent AM engineering consulting firm. John who founded it brings with him 25 plus years of experience in product development and aerospace with Honeywell, Lockheed Martin, Skunk Works, Australia's CSIRO and Arconic. He's been involved in metal additive manufacturing throughout his career beginning in the late 1990s. Chelsea began her engineering career at Honeywell Aerospace, gaining experience in various roles, including additive manufacturing. Lean certified by both her alma mater, Arizona State University and Honeywell, she cultivates streamlined AM designs, production, and applications. Let's join the conversation. John and Chelsea, welcome to AM Infocast today. Great to have you here.
1: Great, thank you. It's, uh, it's great to be back.
0: And
2: uh, nice to be here for the first time. Thanks for having us.
0: So. Your, your, the John Barnes Advisors have been working in the area of additive manufacturing, offering training and consulting services, and uh, literally hand-holding companies to adopt AM. Can you shed some light on some specific initiatives your company is taking for the additive manufacturing industry, and how is it contributing towards uh, the growth of this industry?
1: So I think Barnes Global Advisors, we kind of view ourselves as kind of a unique proposition in the industry at the moment. I mean, we're, we're an engineering firm. And we covered advanced manufacturing broadly, but we have experience across all of the forms of additive. We also have experience outside additive. So we characteristically have taken parts through the qualification process. And so I think that enables us to kind of have this very broad view of the necessary tasks that need to go into it with, with a lot of our conversations with companies, what role they wish to play with additive could be different. And so we like to understand what the company's vision is, first of all, and then secondly, then how they fit into the additive picture may be different based on what their concept of of operation. So in other words, if you're a parts producer today, you know, additive may be a different answer to you than if you're just a design firm. So we we try to work with companies uh, to think holistically about the additive process. Sometimes this involves things like training and so we have formalized our training offerings to both be online and and live so depending upon what people have space for in their lives they can do it on demand effectively with the online purdue am certificate that we've been working with you on and then uh, secondly the the live event you know with with everything going remote over the last year we've actually seen that there's a lot of advantages to delivering uh, training in a live format, you know, such as WebEx or Zoom or similar uh, because it allows for us to put more instructors on the on the uh, events, but also kind of go into more detail over more days because we don't have the travel consideration to take into account. But in general, you know, this ability to to kind of flex between uh, a consulting or an advising role and uh, training I think is is unique. So whether we want to start with a workshop or training, and then move into some consulting, or however it wishes to take place, you know, we we're pretty unique in our ability to do that, alongside being an independent, agnostic entity. So you know, at the end of the day, we're we're also not going to try to sell you any type of equipment, but we're also it's important for us to be a part of the fabric of. Uh, the additive community. And so we put a lot of time into being on committees, being on panels, and we've started hosting some information sessions to bring light, bring information to light on some of the newer additive technologies like cold spray and directed energy. And then lastly, you know, we, we joined the green uh, additive manufacturing green trade association recently, really because we felt like the approach of a data-driven method for looking at sustainability of additive uh, was really needed and uh, with the proviso of, you know you can't improve what you can't measure so we're, we're pretty active across the space but it's important for us to be you know really part of the community
2: right and to emphasize some of the points uh, that john just made i i think specifically um, identifying customers goals we are able to tune our approach um, as john said we depending on what those goals are Uh, we are able to work with customers either to help them achieve them or perhaps rewrite those goals if if it makes sense not all additive spaces are equal not all companies are equal in the additive space so we just want customers to be as as successful as they can so um, ensuring that the approach and strategy that we formulate for them is appropriate and uh, will ultimately be successful and profitable um, because AM isn't the answer for everything, but having the experience from other industries that we do, we're, we're able to identify that and uh, help guide customers through that. So I think in terms of the industry growth, that approach enables that because uh, if the value proposition of the technology is not being correctly identified and correctly applied, then, then the technology really can't grow. Um, and it's inhibited before it begins. So in terms of the the industry as a whole, just creating that success story, identifying that specific success strategy is is critical.
0: That's great. I think that sets a great uh, you know foundation for for this podcast and it, it kind of sets the expectations right for the industry in terms of you know what to expect from AM. And of course, additive manufacturing today is being adopted across various end users industries at a fast pace. Uh, you know what role do you think technical education training and skilling can play in further accelerating this growth in a in a sustainable way
1: well I think it's it's really critical right now and and I think uh, you know I'm keen to get Chelsea's thoughts on this too because I think you know she she comes from a slightly different background than me I'm a materials engineer myself and so I've been with additive since the late 90s kind of watching it uh, grow and and morph over time but Characteristically, what we see is that there's this kind of, you know, interest in what it is. Uh, then there's kind of the, you know, usually characterizes the trough of disillusionment. I mean, you know when it doesn't do everything that everybody thought it was going to do, and sometimes that's really an education problem. It's not actually a technical problem. So for us, you know, generally there's an awareness problem, and then there's an education problem, and uh, a few of our customers. I would say represent kind of that 1%. They get additive, they have maybe a center of excellence around it. So they spent enough time, uh, working with it and they finally figured out, you know, what it means to them. Uh, the next problem they have is though that they may have a team of a thousand or 10,000 engineers. And so how you, how you translate that, uh, information, uh, that's needed when you go into design these parts. That's a training problem. That's an education problem. And that isn't just flinging PowerPoint at people. You know, it, it is a little bit having some experience and going through what that existence is like. It's also having an experience of what it's going to be to take it through qualification and being able to take it through qualification. So this is where I think we feel very strongly about training and what really uh, training is. You know, it isn't just a collection of PowerPoints. It's important to have uh, ownership over the intellectual property. Uh, it's important to have good quality content. It's also really important to have good quality instructors who can speak from experience. It's important to have a pedagogy and a method of reinforcement of what's being learned. So it's a lot more than you know just being knowledgeable in additive manufacturing. You know what makes a good teacher isn't the same thing as what makes a good doer. So I think that's one area where we're we're, we're probably unique. But more importantly, I think that's that's where we see the industry kind of struggle with additive is, is how do they attack, as Chelsea said, the value proposition, which, you know, is is sometimes you may be solving a schedule problem. Sometimes you're solving a performance problem. And some most of the time people look at the cost, but we try to look at these things on a level field and, and come up with a solution that, uh, that works for everybody, and that that is you know most efficiently done through uh, a formal training and, and education program.
2: And and I think that brings up a good point about the organization as a whole and the division of roles and responsibilities, um, and how that can be addressed with training, and that it should be addressed with training, and how it can streamline uh, the entire. Uh, manufacturing process. So having been um, a process manufacturing engineer in the past, it ultimately, whatever was um, flowed downstream to me, it was up to me to make it happen. And there are certain challenges with that when there is a lack of understanding upstream. Um, for example, in terms of if if your design engineers don't have the, the additive awareness or haven't built up Um, that skill set and have the appropriate tools in their toolbox to make a successful AM design upstream, it's going to make everything problematic downstream. So I think a lot of organizations find um, themselves having to educate each other internally on top of their jobs, (laughs) which becomes laborious for those doing the educating and frustrating also for those upstream um, just because they're they're getting it in pieces. So to be able to break down um, what responsibilities in terms of AM are going to fall on specific roles is really critical. And um, we, with our uh, workshops and training, uh, we pay special attention to doing this and ensuring that these definitions are made internally and the skills are offered to the right people so that as a whole, the process flows much more smoothly, and that, that can't happen without a program that is designed with that in mind. So um, specifically, we break up the modifying parts for AM, the MFAM, and designing parts for AM, the DFAM, and the sequence of that, and, and how that flows throughout the process, who's responsible for what, um, that gets broken down to enable success of, of the technology to the utmost degree that's possible.
0: Yeah, that's you know, great. Uh, just, you know, in continuing in, in that line, Raquel, could you be able to share or illustrate some kind of uh, case studies or examples where you made this impact in, in a few organizations and there has been a positive feedback and a, and a quantifiable improvement of, of uh, post your training?
1: Sure, I'll, I'll take a first go at this. Uh, so one of the things we do in our live training is a team-based uh, project. And, and where the teams get together and, and design a part using, you know, what they're learning in class. And it allows them to play with parts that they're familiar with, uh, that they know requirements for, etc. And uh, generally, it ends up being a lot of fun for people because it's, it's basically a time and a place that they can kind of play around with an idea. And, and we're really only interested in their ability to show that what, they, what they've applied in the class. And um, interestingly, you know, a value proposition is part of that assessment that we ask them to go through. And um, typically we, we show fantastic return on investment. You know, it, it wasn't why we put it in there, but it's been good for us. Uh, so when the teams do their debrief at the end of the course to earn their certificate, typically we're showing, you know, return on investment to the company of more than 40 to one. In some cases, it's been as high as 80 to one. Uh, if they were to take these projects forward and and if the the, the cost savings or revenue generation that they predicted holds true so that's a phenomenal return on investment but I think uh, what's exciting for us and I know Chelsea and I really kind of enjoy this which is just kind of getting into these conversations with people as they're going through the class and and then making the connection ah oh, th- this is why you know we see this happening in the printer or you know the we didn't, you know, it's not obvious why, you know, we think about solving the problem in additive the way that we have. It's, it's, it is very counterintuitive to an engineer who's been in manufacturing for a long time. And, you know, I can think of, we had a, a student that went through the Purdue AM certificate and uh, they leveraged what they learned. They put a, a business case up to their company to go buy a 3d printer. He was successful doing that, and then he was given a promotion to be in charge of the printer, and and then they decided that he needed subsequent training around Six Sigma, so they sent him through that training. So, you know, those are the kinds of stories that you love to hear because, you know, it's it's kind of why you got into it in the first place. I mean, the money's nice, but, you know, knowing that somebody's uh, life or their career has been enhanced, you know, you know, you can't buy that.
2: Yes, this portion of the workshop that John just mentioned is absolutely my favorite part of um, doing the trainings because you get to see the the information you just presented um, start to resonate and inspire uh, people to to go and apply it to their jobs and, and the projects that they're already working on or um, projects that are coming down the pipeline and to, um, to know that Otherwise, this, uh, that level of inspiration or, or those adaptations and and being able to take advantage of the technology otherwise wouldn't have happened is is more rewarding than anything. And um, in some cases, I I know that those actual uh, case studies have gone on to um, influence and and change real projects that companies were working on and contribute to um, savings and the uh, adoption of the technology so that alone is is the best
0: part so Chelsea, just to add to you know the last uh, conversation just want to, to as a as a practicing engineer for you uh, you know what's the uh, difference between mfam and dfam while actually uh, you know uh, performing this uh, this process on on the ground uh, maybe in in a real uh, environment what's the difference between mfam dfam and how do you approach it
2: i think the differences, this is probably the easiest way to put it is that um, when people talk about DFAM, it tends to be a a blanket statement, but it often is really referring to um, sort of those poster projects, the the perfect uh, topology optimized part that, you know, has all these interesting features and uh, looks really crazy and, and cool. But at the end of the day, that might not have employed all of the uh, principles that are required to successfully build that part. You know, maybe they got one off of the printer successfully, but it's not going to be sustainable for production. So as a uh, production engineer, I think what's important is to present some of those um, most fundamental principles, which present themselves in the form of MFAM um, or modifying parts for AM. So, you can have all of this really interesting type of geometry, but at the end of the day, if you can't build it easily, then uh, it's not sustainable and it's not going to work. So, the MFAM and DFAM, it's bringing those two things together the, the DFAM, the, the high value opportunity, um, being able to do these unusual geometries, these novel type things, but still acknowledging the fundamental concepts. Of uh, and and how parts must be modified for this manufacturing process, because at the end of the day, it's still manufacturing. It's not uh, magic. (laughs) It's a building process a fabrication process, just like anything else. And such as forging or casting that have their own series of constraints. So, so much like that, those fundamentals have to be learned and acknowledged. Although people like to take off running and uh, and go full novel structure but that's not going to be sustainable for production and in my experience um, having the foundation is critical to ever being able to to get to those poster children type parts there's certainly um, an optimal balance between those two things
0: yeah that's great and you know and i think uh, this gives a uh, you know great insight in terms of what Uh, training should be for AM and and a bit of practical insights and, you know, just to round it off, uh, John, what are your plans for Asia and India? Because this has been the manufacturing hub of the world for quite some time. And there is a large manufacturing uh, industry here. So what's your plans for this part of the world? And what are you looking at achieving?
1: Well, I agree. I mean, it it is uh, heavy manufacturing and, and heavy, heavy science. So our plans. Uh, we're we're a small firm, so we we partner with uh, people that we feel share similar values and kind of outlook, and so that's why it's exciting, you know, to work with you on um, on bringing this to the the market in, in Asia broadly. You know, we're we're there already in some respects, at least in hearts and minds. So we you know we have a, a nice connection in Singapore, having participated and spoken at the NAMIC events but also um, having you know lived overseas in, in Australia we work with the AM hub and and other entities uh, within Australia and New Zealand from that time whether it be some of the universities like RMIT or Monash uh, University and wherever we can you know we we like to link people through our network and so you know I think recently we made a connection of one of our heavy transportation people to Singapore where they were uh, letting a contract so I think with um, you know, our, we feel that the training element is important. It's a more efficient way of getting going with, with additive and getting into production. And we feel like in some cases, it's always good to have a local content to it. Uh, whether it be from the instructor's perspective, because. You know, we come at it with our own backgrounds and, and our own, um, uh, and that that's, you know, multi, uh, faceted. Composite. So we like working with people in the different regions to put on the trainings because we feel like it's probably more effective in the end when that's when that's a possibility. So we're very very keen to get going on uh, training uh, in in India. We've we've already you know conducted some training there, uh, which went uh, quite well. So that's you know I think that's our plans. It's it's really to partner with like minded groups that that want to see additive uh, take off and are really interested in doing it, uh, I'll say more smartly and more efficiently. And then I think that's where, you know, our ability to transition away from a training piece, and and maybe it's just a small consulting piece to kind of get a project going or to help set up the strategy piece. So that's, uh, that's, that's where I see things going.
0: That's great, and I think we look forward to you know working with you at with the Additive Academy initiative of ours, and and uh, you know further this initiative, and you know bring uh, your thoughts and insights into this uh, country also, so that you know people can make the right decisions at the right time, so that you know there's, the learning curve can be uh, made easier for them, and you know the technology can be adopted better. So, thanks a lot uh, for joining us again, uh, John and Chelsea, and it's been a great uh, conversation. Uh, and I'm sure the listeners will, will benefit from the uh, various uh, thoughts you've shared. So, thanks and take care.
1: Thank you. I, I look forward to working with
0: you more.
2: Yes, thank you. Me too.
0: Thank you for tuning in for this episode of AIM Infocast. I'm sure this episode has been very informative in terms of understanding the importance of training for additive manufacturing and streamlining the process. If you have any additive manufacturing training or process-related queries, do reach out to me on aditya at additiveacademy.com. I repeat, aditya at additiveacademy.com. Or click on the link mentioned in the podcast description. Until next time, stay safe and take care. See you in the next episode.